JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, indeed he has announced he is back from injury. Tyrese Halliburton tonight is active, and I would assume that the new pacer, Pascal Siakam, will make his debut to give us all that he knows from Portland right now, from Bally Sports Indiana. Jeremiah Johnson joins us. This is going to be a humdinger of a ratings number for you guys tonight. <laughs> 10 o'clock or you not, know. buddy, it is. Those late-night games, you get a little boost on the weekend because most of the audience maybe doesn't have to get up for work or school. But it does not matter what time this game would be played, who it's against. I think we'd have some viewership, and there are a number of angles and storylines, and I guess it's a good way to wrap up your week on the radio, right? Yes, no doubt about that. Here's the first thing that stands out because we we have just in general everybody here in, in Indiana, central Indiana, most of the time with sports, you feel snake bitten, right? You feel like the karma is against you. You're very slept rockish and when you saw Tyrese Halliburton suffer that injury, be carried off, have teammates put the towels over his head, I mean, you thought Oladipo, you thought Paul George, and you thought the worst. And the fact that this guy is active and ready for a return tonight in this amount of time is amazing. Yeah, I'll go back to the Friday in Atlanta to start this road trip, being at shoot-around and then just sort of getting ready to do some interviews and then looking out and saying, wait, that's Tyrese out there getting some shots up. At the time, it was not a real intense workout. In fact, I don't even know if he extended – outside the three-point arc, but I viewed that as a very positive sign considering what we saw on Monday, and that was within the same week on Friday. And I still didn't expect him to return on this road trip. Again, the, the, what the message was he'd be reevaluated at the end of the trip, but he would go on the trip because all of the medical staff and the sports for performance people would be here, and you'd be, be better off being with the team uh, from a morale perspective, but also when you needed to get your work in. But every game and every shoot-around or practice, you saw him do a little bit more. You began to think, you know, this is sooner rather than later. And what he was saying at shoot-around yesterday, I almost thought there was a chance in Sacramento. But the team does have to protect him from himself just a little bit. And so, smart decision, give it another day. And as he tweeted out there a short time ago, posted on Instagram, and it does appear as though Woj just backed that up. Active, ready to go. He was a lot of fun. He was itching last night, man. <laughs> like he was, he was happy, especially the way things went down. But you can tell he's going, man. I, I want to be out there. By the way, too, uh, the Pacers have signed James Johnson, who was courtside last night in Sacramento, to a ten-day contract. So I, I guess the overseer 
uh, the uncle to everybody, right? Was that a way to put that with his presence on the bench? Just a really good yeah. guy to have as a veteran presence is at least with a 10-day contract, and the expectation is longer after that is back on the bench. That or the highly paid security guard. We have great security staff that travels with the team, but uh, he's, he's an additional member. And I did joke with him last night, given the injuries to the point guard room, no Andrew Nemhard and no Tyrese Halliburton. He thought, well, if I was available, I could have played some point five. And the Pacers maybe could have used him last night, although what a great job by everyone else who was available. So it's really been a fun end of the, end of the road trip and a real reset for the entire franchise in those two days off in Sacramento. Oh, you're so right. And Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, joins us. I thought last night was one of the better games that I have seen in a long time. Really, from start to finish, you thought like the Pacers had control, and then you had that like two and a half minutes of hell that was thrown in there at the end of the game. <laughs> a very Arkansas-like with that full-court press that the Pacers struggled with, but it, it, um, it, it was just exactly what you needed and everybody got involved in that game last night, it seemed. I know you are not a fan of moral victories. I even allowed myself to think at halftime, well, they built a 13-point halftime lead with a you know, skeleton roster against a desperate team in one of the most difficult places to play against a team that is angry and had lost three straight games. I even allowed myself to think, you know, no matter what happens in the second half, this will be okay. And and when Herter came out and hit everything he was throwing up in the third quarter, it just seemed like maybe it would go against you. But for them to never give the lead up and then build it back up to double digits at the end of the third quarter, and Jairus Walker hitting a couple of huge threes in the fourth quarter that gave you just a little bit more breathing room and a little bit more separation. And talking with you know people that have been around here for a long time, they were asking the question on the bus, was that the, was that the biggest win of the season? And I, I still am going to – probably put that Celtics win in the in-season tournament because of everything it meant, because of the audience, the stage, and being at home, that, that's probably going to still be tough to top, but this goes on the top five list. And as I said with T.J. McConnell, those, those wins that nobody expects, those are the ones you remember more than, than some of the others. So oh, I've told everybody off regarding people that wanted to trade McConnell and felt he was not essential to this team and trade bait this and, you know, get uh, draft capital for the further down, all that. I told everybody off today because, listen, his skill, and I said this earlier, he has a skill that not everybody has. And his skill is effort, and that is a skill, and he brings it every time. And last night, it just goes to show you again how essential he is to this team, really, no matter what. You know what's crazy? There's a book, a scouting report on everybody in the NBA. And if a guy like Jairus Walker or Ben Shepard comes in, you could forgive the Kings or any opponents for not knowing exactly what Agreed. their game is all about. Yes. But you know the book on T.J. McConnell. Yep. Everyone that plays against him, you know exactly what he's going to do. Now, last year he shot a little bit more than he has this year. This year it's been all about driving and dishing and driving and shooting the pull-up jumper. But you pretty much know what he's going to do, and you would still think they could figure out a way, especially when he's the, the only point guard. You would think they could have been prepared for that and slowed him down. And what did he do time and time again? Yes. Drove right by whoever was trying to guard him, and that disrupted the entire defensive plan for the Kings. And that gave that, gave that pay, the Pacers team last night an attacking mindset. Instead of waiting till the end of the shot clock and then having to hoist one up with two or three on the clock, that had happened a little bit over the last week, that attacking mindset, it was from the opening tip, and it really carried over until the end. 
You know, I mentioned this very thing. I, I went through a long diatribe at the beginning of the show because I was feeling it. I was feeling it against a lot of people. <laughs> I have to go back and check out the podcast. Yeah, but I brought up, I brought up, and I, I think that this is, all, I would love it because he does evidently come in some sort of disguise because last night, De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis at a couple of different situations, uh, Keegan Murray a couple of times. It's like they're surprised that he does that. He he turns the corner. He gets to the basket on them. He reverses on them. He knocks down a fade on them. He puts it in the grill. They act surprised, and you're right. This comes with a very distinct and to-the-point Scouting report every team every single night. In fact, these guys. I, I, and again, I think that that is a plus because evidently he comes in a disguise. These guys are never seemingly ready for it until it's done to them by him. Yeah, and credit T.J. McConnell for dealing with the ups and downs and maybe not as much playing time as he had last season and you know out of the rotation at times. I've never seen him hang his head. He's still when he was not in the rotation was the guy that was doing as much coaching on the bench as anyone else and, and leading some of the huddle conversations. And then you worry a little bit. When I, I thought last night when I found out that Andrew Nemhard was not going to play that he might have to play 45 minutes or so. And that's a lot to ask anyone, but it's a lot to ask T.J. McConnell the way he plays in line to in line. And credit Ben Shepard and, and Buddy Heald for being a couple of guys that were able to handle some, some playmaking and some point guard responsibilities. And, and Rick Carlisle, really pushed the right buttons. There was a time late third quarter. You could tell TJ was getting a little bit tired, got him out of the game, gave him enough of a break in the fourth quarter that you knew you needed him on the court at the end. And even though the team kind of let up a little bit the last couple of minutes, it would have probably not been a win if you didn't have TJ there. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana. Again, the return we're going to see tonight, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and others right now, is that of Tyrese Halliburton through his own social media platform. And, again, that expectation that we're also going to see tonight has been reported the debut of Pascal Siakam. So how does implementing him into this lineup change things dramatically for the better here? Pascal Siakam? Yes. You're, yeah. Uh, well, basically, he's the kind of player that would, would match up with the way the Pacers want to play. So it's perfect that he can come back and play or come and play the same night that Tyrese Halliburton is back on the court. So you'll see the fast-paced Pacers, the, the run and, and the fast-break opportunities, run and transition. You'll see that, and I think you'll see the fit. He isn't maybe the threat that some forwards are outside the arc, does a lot of his work in the mid-range and in the paint. To me, that fits perfectly with Miles Turner. So we'll have to see what happens. Obviously, I'm coming at it with a very optimistic viewpoint, but the length that he could provide on defense, the the running opportunities, and if, if Obi Toppin becomes your backup four and he's your starting four, to me there's a lot of similarities with the way those two players play, and it allows you also to continue to – uh, you know, play the same style, whether it's your starting five, whether it's your second unit, and whether you have different combinations out there on the court. It's, um, and also, too, I, I love it because you, you, you Chad and Kevin, you know, going for it right now, and I love it two different ways. It, it is going for it right now. 
but it's also still maintaining that eyeball on the future. And, J.J., you're privy to this. I say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with winning now as a part of what you are rebooting. You don't have to be bad for 10 years to be good and where you want to be in the 11th year. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to win the public opinion in a trade. The Pacers know full well that sometimes a trade can be criticized and then it works out great for them. Just look back to that Paul George trade when no one was saying it was a good deal. But everyone seems to, while admit that there's a little bit of risk in what you gave up, depending upon what happens in this offseason, when you have an opportunity to get a player of that caliber and you want to maximize what Tyrese Halliburton is able to do, you go for it. So I'll give the front office a lot of credit. They haven't been reckless. I mean, there have been now a year and a half where they've had some opportunities. They've been in discussions with players, and you wait until the time is right. They obviously thought that before this trade deadline, while you can still make something happen this season, that the time is right. And then you've got Pascal Siakam to see what you're all about for this season and to lay the groundwork for the future. This is one of those deals you can try to win now, but it also helps you win in the future. And so I see – I see no issues with it whatsoever. Like I said, the two days off in Sacramento, when I came on the air last night, I said so much has changed in the last two days, and then so much will continue to change moving forward. I can't wait to even see this team in front of the home fans next Tuesday night. Tyrese Halliburton returns tonight. Pascal Siakam makes his debut tonight in uh, Portland. Tip time is at 10 o'clock. That's Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana. They're going to be a beneficiary of an incredible Friday night, late night number, I'm assuming, with people tuning in to this. I do want to double back to last night because we did not bring him up. Again, if the Pacers were going to make a deal, I love it because it seemed to be on their terms. It seemed like they dictated the tempo on it. I, I heard all these reports that included, you know, Nimhart, included Walker, or included Matherin. And I'm going to start with Matherin right here. You saw, again, his value and what he can be. He was such a big deal in shot-making ability last night. Just kind of backed up why I want to see him maintain. You want to see Walker maintain because he had 15 last night and made a lot of shots, too. Just love what the Pacers got out of this. Bruce Brown, fine. Jordan Wara, fine. Three picks, whatever. But you're able to maintain basically your roster and bringing in a guy that scores over 22 per game at a clip. Let's throw those three players and add Ben Shepard to the mix and say those are your four young players that you build around, at least you plan for the future with. And it allows you that flexibility to not be as concerned about the two draft picks that are going out in the deal Because let's be honest, you don't necessarily even have enough roster spots with the people that you have to bring those players in. I mean, if anything, you'd like to have a little freedom to bring in maybe a veteran if you're going to be as good as you think you are next season and you continue to nurture and to groom those players. I'm I'm like you. I'd much rather keep the players that you have, that you like, that you know have such great potential. And it's why it's important in November and December of a first season or a second season to not make – Uh, too harsh of criticisms or evaluations of players because so much growth happens from an NBA player as they, you know, go on from college or whether they were in uh, a G league situation, uh, G league ignite. However, it's different. It's a different way of life against men in the NBA and it takes an adjustment. And then also 
you're maybe playing a style you weren't really used to. The way they're asking Benedict Matherin to play, it hasn't necessarily been the way he played at Arizona or prior to that. And to see even in this one season how he's grown and, and his consistency since Christmas where the team is, I believe, 10-3 and three since Christmas, and he's hit double figures every single one of those games. He's been effective outside. He's had that look in his eye that you saw, that you loved, when he burst onto the scene last season, I, there was no chance. Uh, I won't say nothing would have could have been done to get Benedict Matherin as part of a trade, but I have a pretty good feeling that any discussions were, if you bring up his name, you know, just move on, discuss something else because he's not going anywhere, and I think he's going to be here for a long time. Hey JJ, before I let you go here, I know you got to go to work, but last time that we saw Portland the result was not what anybody wanted it was here and it was a loss and I know I saw where Aiton didn't make it to the game because of icy conditions or something like that but what's the roster look like right now they're going to be missing anybody what are we dealing with as far as what you see what you've done research on in the Blazers as a part of this road trip tonight in this game they did win that game against the Nets on Wednesday on an Anthony Simons shot near the buzzer, but he was then added to tonight's injury report with what's being called general illness. And sometimes uh, you don't really know when it's questionable. It's, yeah. it's likely 50-50, but when you're added in the middle of the day with something like that, that definitely puts his availability into question. DeAndre Ayton, by all accounts, it's still icy here. When we got off the plane last night, you were still slipping and sliding a little bit, but I'm guessing they're going to have a way to get him to the arena tonight. So I would guess that Aiton would play. We'll keep an eye on Simons. And Shaden Sharp's another important player for them, young player. He's out as well. So uh, Malcolm Brogdon will be out on the court. He's been a player that's been the subject of trade rumors. But this is a game, I would say, last night's the bonus win. I mean, you, you played with house money. You got the win. But even before that game yesterday, this is the one that you knew you really needed to win. And you get the boost of having Halliburton and Siakam if the reports are accurate, which I have no reason to believe they are not. Uh, it's a good situation. And if you need any last bit of information, you just put on the tape from the game at Gambridge Fieldhouse. And so you do not want to get swept in a season series against the Blazers. Nah, and that you – know, they made up. We talked about those those early season home losses that you were going to have to make up, and they certainly did that last night in Sacramento, which means you don't want to give it right back to not in Portland. Yeah, if you look at the the Pacers' resume, exactly at the halfway point of the season, 41 games in, 7 over 500, I think you can maybe almost get to the point where you're not always bringing up the loss to Portland, the loss to Chicago, the loss to Charlotte, because they've won enough games almost to make up for those. The quality of wins that the Pacers have are right up there with anyone in the Eastern Conference to have the four wins against the Bucks, to have two wins against the Celtics, you know, to go have a road win at Sacramento still is nothing to apologize about, especially under the circumstances. So I, I agree with you. I think halfway through the season, you lost some you'd like to win, but maybe you won more that you weren't expected to win. It's, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana. You guys hit the air at 930, right? Yep, 930, so uh, a little bit later than normal, but same time as last night, and it should be fantastic television. So if it's cold Back in Indiana, <laughs> it is. get a blanket, put a, put a pot of hot coffee on if you need that or whatever you need to stay warm and stay up because I think it'll be a fun night. All right. We do want to remind folks, too, that they, they've they got a closeout after tonight on Sunday in Phoenix, which is going to be far from easy. And then back home, JJ, that's one thing I'm thinking about. 
getting back home against defending champ Denver on Tuesday night at Gambridge Fieldhouse. That should be one hell of an incredible environment. Yeah, I mean, it was a good environment in Denver, and the Pacers saw the world champs at their best. And tonight, I think Denver plays at Boston. So it's part of a long road trip for Denver. But Jokic is someone that if you don't see him in person, you may not appreciate how good he is. At the same time, we may have had a discussion prior to playing that game last weekend. It's not a team that I guess I go into fearing. I mean, the Pacers played really well. They were right there. That game was there for the taking, and they were unable to do so. Uh, It's not a bad loss because the Nuggets are obviously really, really good. But I'm looking forward to that matchup. And and really, that entire homestand, this month of January schedule has been so challenging, and it's it's what makes the Pacers' record in the month even more impressive, that they could still right now be above that play-in line in the Eastern Conference. And then if you get this little bit of reinforcement and you get the new boost that Pascal Siakam can provide, that should be quite the atmosphere. Get your tickets now because that, that first game of the homestand is going to be great, but then I think you've got Joel Embiid and the Sixers yep. coming in. You've got the Suns coming in with Frank Vogel and Kevin Durant. Uh, the next homestand will be a great, a great set of games to watch. Man, it will. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana. Tonight, we are looking for the debut of Pascal Siakam and the return of Tyrese Halliburton. Or Halliburton. Again, if all the reports are correct, you will see that later on tonight. Ten o'clock, the tip. Nine thirty, Valley Sports, Indiana. And Jeremiah Johnson will be there with Eddie Gill. I, I can't imagine. How are you guys holding down Denary right now? He's got to be out of his shoes. <laughs> Just with excitement. Uh, he does have to make some adjustments to his chart. We know he spent so much time working on his, his play-by-play chart. So he had to make room uh, for Pascal Siakam. He was a little caught off guard by the James Johnson news. Had to take him off. But he gets to put him back on there today as well. But he's he's enjoying it. And it's been, like I said, these long road trips are good for team bonding. They're good for broadcaster bonding. So it's been great to have Eddie Gill, as you mentioned, on yep. the road for this entire trip as well. And you might want to talk with Eddie next week. Eddie Gill has a big day tomorrow. They are recognizing his Weber State Wildcats team that won a game in the NCAA tournament at Weber State. So he's going to go there tomorrow and get recognized, and he'll be on the air with us tonight. And then again, we'll meet us in Phoenix on Sunday so, night. So it's a good weekend out west for Eddie Gill. Was, was that, that was with the team with Harold the Show Arsenal, right? That's correct, yeah. Man, that's a big deal right there. That was a great team. What a great win that was. It's funny. We were in Utah, and our stage manager looked like a young kid, maybe late 20s, and uh, he found out that Eddie Gill was working the broadcast. He's like, no way! Maybe So maybe he's in his 30s, but he, he remembered Eddie Gill and that team, and Eddie walked around Salt Lake City like, a, like the star that he is. <laughs> All right, man, JJ, have a great call tonight and in Phoenix on Sunday. We'll catch you back here on Tuesday, man. Have some fun. All right, thanks for hyping it up. I'm going to go back and listen to your opening segment on uh, the podcast. It's sweet. Enjoy, buddy. Thanks, man. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, by the way, Don Fisher from Madison, Wisconsin, voice of the Hoosiers, coming up here at 5. Forbes Sports and so much more with a good friend of the show, Evan Sider, recovering the NBA, who joins us now. Hello, Evan. How are you? Doing great, John. How about yourself? Um, I, I did get a little bit of pushback regarding the Pacer deal for Siakam. Why, to me, I just thought, I'd be angry if I would have known those were the options and they would not have executed the trade. I thought this was a no-brainer. How about you? 
I totally agree. And as you probably know, I mentioned before on the radio to you as well as Jake, that I was kind of on the fence as well about Pascal Siakam. But the whole time, I imagine they began at least one or two of their young players that they prize a lot. One of Matherin, Walker, and Nemhart, maybe one of those other younger players too, on top of draft picks. But to only get Pascal Siakam for what's going to be two late first-round picks this year, and if the Pacers are really good in two years, which is the plan, That'll be another late first-round pick in 2026 for this expiring contract. So I, John, if you have the chance to do that, if your Pacers do that every single time, you get an All-NBA-level player and in the middle of his prime in Pascal Siakam, and you lose really no rotation players on top of that, none of your young core either. I think for the value they gave up, just draft picks on top of that, I think it's a home run deal. you got to take that swing every single time the opportunity presents itself like that. I've been sideways on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Pacers in Portland. We shall see if Siakam makes his Pacers debut. And we'll also watch to see if Tyrese Halliburton, who looks very ready to return, makes his return tonight, maybe on Sunday in Phoenix. The Pacers, by the way, back home on Tuesday night against the defending champion Denver Nuggets. So last night, to me, was one of the better games in recent memory, most enjoyable games. It was a late night in Sacramento. Sacramento, I believe, was at full strength last night. The Pacers certainly were not, and it kind of seemed like they were going to even lose guys during the game, which ultimately Jalen Smith stayed in even when he was sick. But I thought it was an amazing performance last night and one of the more enjoyable performances I have seen from this team in a long time. Absolutely agree with you there. And you see all the great performances last night from that game. T.J. McConnell with a 20 and 10. Benedict Matherin with 25 points. You see the rookies, Ben Shepard and Jairus Walker, doing great things on both ends of the court as well. And Jalen Smith really becoming one of the better backup bigs in the NBA. I know he's a starter on this team. I think long-term he might fit better in that role. He's been fantastic so far this year. And another great game last night. You see really on display, even with no Tyrese Halliburton, you'll see no Pascal Siakam this year. Missing a couple other pieces on top of that. The Pacers and their depth, I mean, they have a special, special group as far as depth goes this year, and you're really seeing that right now. Now you add in a star in Pascal Siakam to all this depth. Like, this is going to be, I think, a very, very fantastic team we're going to be seeing in Indiana right now. And I think with the game we saw last night, that's a huge confidence boost. I think I'm mainly looking at two guys here in Ben Shepard and Jairus Walker. They probably won't get that much time the rest of the season with the rotation the way it's going to be looking pretty soon, but you have to imagine that little flash from those two guys last night was pretty awesome look long-term. It's Evan Sidery talking NBA from Forbes and more with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So let's just say, for the sake of the question here, it is the debut of Pascal Siakam in Portland tonight. What's your expectation on how he fits in on both sides of the ball? We'll start offensively, but I, I think what has been downplayed more than anything is still what he has as far as a defensive prowess. I want you to talk a little bit about where he is with that in mind. Really, both sides of the basketball for the newly acquired Pacer player that we may see in Portland tonight. Yeah, we'll start off on defense there, John. And I will say Siakam, he's going to be turning 30 in April. He has lost a tiny step athletically, as most players will at this stage of their career. But he still looks like a, a good defensive player when, he, when he's locked in. This Raptors team the last couple of years – has been really prioritizing more losing than they have winning. And you've seen Siakam in winning situations. He's been fantastic as a, as a defender. I imagine he'll be one of the Pacers' best defenders on the wing and the paint as well. And having guys like Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nemhard alongside Pascal Siakam, that's a great foundation defensively you can put around to Tyrese Halliburton. And then I think also when you look at the offensive end, John, this is going to be Pascal Siakam's 
best fit in his entire career as far as offense goes. You have a player in Tyrese Halliburton who's going to be setting him up with the best looks he's seen in his career. He's going to be probably a 25-point-per-game score route the bat for this team and probably take the number one scoring role with Halliburton. I also think that your guy, Miles Turner, John, is a huge factor in this. I think he's going to be a huge, huge key to Pascal Siakam thriving in Indiana as a stretch five. He's never had that in his entire career. Siakam is a, a big fan of Miles Turner's game as well. So I think having those three guys together, Miles Turner, Siakam, and Tyrese Halliburton, this is going to be one of the more fun offenses to watch in the NBA. They're already ranked number one in the league in offensive rating. I can only imagine what they're going to be like with getting Pascal Siakam at that four spot to go with Turner and Halliburton and all these great young pieces they have on top of that. This is going to be probably one of the more fun teams we've seen offensively in the Pacers franchise history. How would you expect the rotational minutes to go? Again, for example, if he makes that debut tonight. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I imagine maybe tonight they might play it a little safer on the side of playing Siakam heavy minutes. Maybe he has a lighter load tonight. But when he's getting 35-plus minutes per game, which he probably will, uh, him and Halliburton will probably put the most minutes on his team members single night, you're probably going to see players like Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, Obi Toppin on top of that as well, Jairus Walker too. Those are the four players that are really going to be hurt by the arrival of Siakam, where instead of getting maybe 15, 20 minutes per game, you might see Jairus Walker now go back to DNPs. You might see Isaiah Jackson even have DNPs as well if Jalen Smith plays more of the center spot. And it's going to be hard to take Jalen Smith out of the rotation the way he's been playing this year. And then Obi Toppin, too, he's probably going to be more of your energizer off the bench we've seen the last couple of weeks anyways. Probably play around 20 minutes per game. Play that 3-4 spot with Siakam as their backup big. I think it's a good problem to have, though. I mean, you see all these great young bigs that are developing for the Pacers and Smith and Isaiah Jackson. You now you can let Jairus Walker watch, who I think is a great comp for him long-term. And Pascal Siakam is what Walker be a shadow the next couple of years. I think it's a great spot for the Pacers to be in where they have this plethora of depth and plethora of young talent that they can kind of pick and choose who they want to put in there. So the Pacers have put out the injury report. Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and Obi Toppin and Aaron Neesmith are questionable. Isaiah Jackson and Andrew Nimhart both out tonight. Now, Pascal Siakam is not on it anywhere. So I guess we could still see both he and Halliburton tonight, I would imagine. That's a real possibility. And like the players you just mentioned there, no Isaiah Jackson tonight, OB top and questionable. That could mean Pascal Siakam are out the bat, John, gets 30, 35 minutes tonight, which would be fun for Pacers fans who want to stay up late and watch that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't know what it means outside of, uh, you know, for example, him not being on it, but I, I guess it would be a sign that maybe he is going to play tonight. Yeah, I'd, I'd lean towards that. I know Mark Spears of ESPN last night put out that he's heard that Siakam's going to be playing. He probably heard that from Siakam's camp. So, I would very much lean towards Siakam making his debut tonight and potentially the debut of Halliburton and Siakam together, probably on Sunday in Phoenix. At, uh, again, Evan Sidery joins us talking NBA. He's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, the flexibility was also a positive as a part of this because the Pacers still maintain it prior to this NBA trade deadline coming up in February. Where are you siding-wise? Are you with they more than likely make a move or they keep it the way that it is as we get closer and closer to that deadline? Yeah, I really think with the way they've position themselves only get up those draft picks they can still trade draft picks in 2028 and 2030 which is way far out in advance alongside some of these young players like an Obi Toppin or an Isaiah Jackson one of those players maybe Buddy Heald expiring contract I think the Pacers make one more small move I don't think it's gonna be a big one but I think they just need to tinker their front court a little bit now with Pascal Siakam being there, there's just one too many guys in the ink in that rotation and they could probably get back a good wing or a good guard off their bench for one of those young players 
So I, that might be in, in the cards here. I'd lean that way. But I would not be surprised at all either, John, if they stayed put because the way this team's playing, especially without Tyrese Halbert in the last week or so, and how that locker room's really all bought in together, it's something like we saw before. I don't think you want to mess up that chemistry too much, and I think maybe doing another move there, I don't think we'll do that. But I think it's a sudden you have to weigh a little bit. Hey, Evan, what do you think is a legitimate spot expectation-wise to slot the Pacers with this deal as you know we move forward and, and get through the season? What, what, what do you think, not win-loss-wise here, but just in, in seeding or placement of the Eastern Conference, what do you think the expectations for Pacer fans should be? I think now you should be locked into a completely avoiding the play in tournaments. I think the Pacers are locked in now to being a top six team in the Eastern Conference, obviously health permitting there. I think they're going to fight really, really hard to get that number four seed. It's Cleveland battling there. Miami's battling in there. It's all these teams kind of mumble jumbled in the middle there between that seven through, through four spot. I think Indiana now, if they make one more move or Pascal Siakam hits the ground running like I expect them to with Tyrese Halliburton, I think they could potentially finish as a top four seed, get home court advantage in that first round and, that would just be a fantastic sight to see uh, for Pacers fans, and that I, I imagine that place will be rocking in April. So I, I imagine it's probably a guaranteed top six spot, John. I would lean toward maybe five or four. But I think this Pacers team, we've seen it already. They've gone and beat the Bucks. They've beaten the Boston Celtics multiple times. They've beaten the Miami Heat. I think this is a team where you, you now add in Pascal Siakam. I don't think any team in the Eastern Conference is going to want to see the Pacers early on in the playoffs. And if they really get their quick, this thing grooving a little bit, I think the Eastern Conference semifinals, which is the second round, I think that's a legitimate floor that I might look for for the Pacers now. All right, Evan, one final thing here, too. Uh, we saw him, I believe, last Friday night, and the only thing good about this Hawks team right now is DeJounte Murray, and uh, they are shopping him around. Certainly, are the Bucks right now at the front of the line? Might it be the Lakers? Because this is a really good piece for a high-level team to be able to add. Yeah, DeJounte Murray is a great playmaker, is an okay defender, probably in a better situation. He'll be a lot better defensively. But it sounds like those teams picking up there now at Pascal Siakam off the market, DeJounte Murray with the Hawks. Probably my, I would lean towards the Lakers at this current time, John. Just based off the latest reporting, there's a lot of buzz out of L.A. with DeJounte Murray. Obviously, his agency is the same agent with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So he probably wants to be there anyways. So I would lean towards the Lakers getting him. I think the Bucks is more just like a speculatory drill out there. They don't have many assets to do. Or DeJounte Murray trade. The other teams I look out for there would probably be New York, the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. But if I make a prediction there, I think DeJounte Murray probably ends up in LA. He's Evan Sidery, Forbes Sports, and, and so much more. They could catch your work on Substack as well, correct? Correct, yes. And also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Eastsider as well. Evan, I appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see what happens with this. We've got a lot of excited Pacer fans around here. Yeah, absolutely, John. Anytime. Really appreciate it. The Mike Wells slow jam re-entry. Crank it up for him, James. California. Amy, we're here. I get near. <laughs> this hug is cold. Oh. It never rains in Southern California. 
It never rains in Southern Indianapolis. <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. By the way, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. That is a best of the 90s slow jam re-entry request from T. Shaw for you. Tony, Tony, Tony. 1990, it never rains in Southern California. By the way, video directed by Lisa Bonet. Ooh, and I tell you, 1990—that was—I'm uh, trying to think—that was depending on the time of year. I was either in seventh or eighth grade. That's when I used to just like to be able to walk down the hall and hold my girlfriend's hand and make sure there was no teacher around. At least to get a little pet kiss and stuff. When uh, when that when that was cool, when I was wearing the Georgetown starter jacket. Oh man, you see, we were a badass doing that. That's that's what you knew if you had the the Hoya Nike Dunks or the starter jacket. People gave you a wide berth because you were a badass. Yeah, man, I had I had a Hoya starter jacket. That was my go-to, and it was it was Hoya blue, but it, 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 I refused to let my mom wash it, so it was like Hoya dingy blue. By the time uh, by the time uh, springtime came around, man, I'm telling you. That was the the Hoya Dunks that has Hoyas on the back of it. That arguably one of the best. Now, they weren't comfortable (laughs) because none of those shoes were comfortable. But um, one of the best shoes of all time right there is that. Just just badass stuff. Just It makes you think of Michael Graham and his shaved head ready to whip somebody's rear end. You know what I mean? That's what it made you think about. Exactly. Were you at Indiana State back then um, out there? Chasing the ladies around at the local uh, Dairy Queen, man. Back in 1990, 1990. Um, 1990. This is what um, now a night show. I was still at Vincennes University, and um, unfortunately, I was driving back and forth with a girlfriend. I don't know if there were enough ladies in Vincennes to chase around, so I had to go go back home and chase them around. It's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Chasing them around, and then I I came up here to UND for one year, and there was it was um, I was lived off campus, so there was absolutely no ladies to chase around. And then I went to Indiana State and had a rebirth, had a rebirth, and I'm glad I did. Dang! So you were a were you like a super? Yeah, I was in the transfer movie? portal a bunch. Yeah, like I was yeah. like the transfer portal guy before it now is fashionable and legal. I was in the transfer portal a bunch. And you were like Ice Cube in Higher Learning, the movie Higher Learning, the super duper senior, man. That's what you were. I was a five year, I would have been a six year senior if they would allow me to like Xavier Johnson, if they would have allowed it. And <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not sure who's your fans are going to see Xavier Johnson back on the court anytime soon, man. Yeah. Especially in the, especially in the starting lineup. Mike, you, you're probably of this age too, but those uh, younger than you, maybe even a tad bit younger, have no recollection of when the tables were turned and when IU would go to Madison, you just felt like it was going to be an easy W. And now, since, what, 1998, Wisconsin's beaten IU going up to Madison. That's where IU's going later on tonight. So it's it's weird, but, like, Wisconsin now feels like we did watching IU play Wisconsin in 1985. It's weird. Dang, that's crazy. 1998. Oh, ooh, that was that was that was a hell of a year. 1990. That was the year I turned 21. So <laughs> I was definitely I was 
I was definitely living the best life in 1998, man, out of there. And, hey, I know we usually start talking about the Colts, and we probably probably should be talking about the Patriots. No, we're going to get to that in a second because last night was a great night. It was. Yeah. Um, Hey, are you – what's your thoughts on Mike Woodson um, and what he's doing at IU, man? Um. I think Mike Woodson was brought in because his of his name recognition and affiliation previously with IU to bring the fan base back together, both old and young. And I think that portion of it has run its course now to where people expect more. And even in a season that was going to be kind of, you know, learning and transitional, uh, it is not going to be enough. And I think you have a lot of people out there, I think rightly so, don't believe in his coaching ability. And um, that's where the rub is. I, I think I think initially he accomplished in trying to reunite most IU fans in general that had gone away, become apathetic because of the Archie Miller era. Uh, but I think that's run its course now, and the expectations are IU-like and much larger, and he's not living up to them. And, you know, taking a beating like they did on Tuesday night in Bloomington, um, obviously, is not going to make anybody happy. And, you know, see what happens later on tonight. That's probably not going to be a grand result or outcome. And it's it's a bad situation, right? I, I, I take that back. It's not it, – a, a bad situation may be – overboard but it is looking like it's becoming more and more clear that as far as the guy that he was to be the guy at the beginning that's not what you have right now yeah i i tell you and i was i was uh messaging some students on tuesday night who cover um the uh men's team i i think the play that summed up the diff- the difference between iu and purdue was the play where big ass zach Z- zach Eady, do- second half of the game dove on the ground put a loose ball and where just stood there. And you got Zach E D from you know, you know, arguably the player of the year again, sacrificing his body, going on you remember you remember that play in the second half? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. That just that's that summed up the differences between the two programs. Well, and, I think you know, it sums up to many the state of the IU program right now because when you think about it, IU had won what, like three of four going in to that game. And, you know, you, you felt good about it. But, again, it's just you, you're kind of – you're stuck in neutral, it seems like, with this group. And, I mean, I know Huchifino came in and had a phenomenal freshman year, and you're not going to take anything away from from his development. But, you know, basically everything else – like like Trace was already developed or developing to that type of player, and you just kind of wait on the next level and what is next – and uh, Mike can't seem to get there with with this group or or anything like that. And and I think it's very fair to say that a lot of Hoosier faithful have lost confidence. A lot of former players have been outspoken and have lost confidence. So and and maybe they had it, maybe they didn't. But that's where a lot of Hoosier folks are right now with that. Oh oh hey hey man, you talking about any uh, former uh, player in particular? Huh. Lose the confidence. Well, I mean, if you heard Brian Evans last <laughs> week, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't happy, and sure as hell didn't hold back. So yeah. Hey, hey, where, where's my boy Hagen at? We mess with Hagen all the time. Where's my boy Hagen? He, he would, have he would have rolled with me on that comment, man. He texted me. He wanted to know if we were out today. We're actually going to be out next Friday. We're going to be at Manley's Irish Mutt at Tenth and Shadeland on the East Side. He asked if I was out today, and I told him I'm in studio. So. Uh, so he's he not messing with you. Hey, but more, hey, more importantly, man, 
That was a. I, I gotta admit, I dozed off on the Pacers. That's that, that's that's my. Oh, you best can't doze idea. off on that. That thing was glorious last night, Mike Wells. I, I know that West Coast stuff, man. I'm, I'm not young anymore. Um, that, but just going in and getting you know, seeing the highlights and stuff. You saw that's that that's that grind it out, do whatever it takes with you know whatever whatever you have available type victory. That that was an impressive win for the Pacers, even though I I did not stay up to watch the end of it. Yeah, it was it it was as enjoyable of a watch. Now outside of the last two and a half minutes when Mike Brown's team started pressing and you know, the Pacers missed shots and couldn't get it across the. Uh, the uh, the half court line and turned it over a couple of times. That was not good. And then the Kings got what was a 16 point lead with about three and a half minutes to go. They whittled that down to three in a one possession game, but still won. And uh, we'll see if Pascal Siakam makes his debut later on tonight in Portland. Yeah. So I, I know you talked about this. You've talked about the last couple of days. Do, are you believing? How risky was the move based off? The contract situation for um, I don't I, I, I don't put any risk in it whatsoever I don't I mean what they what they gave up it, Mike as an end result had they told me this is where we sit right now had I been told well we didn't want to give up that much so we decided to take our names out of consideration you know we'll move on to Kyle Kuzma you know how pissed I'd have been seriously well and, and that's that's old school Patriots right there that's, that's yeah that's right stuff. yes. That that is the stuff that used to frustrate Larry Bird when he was there. Is that they didn't, you know, that Herb Simon wouldn't sign off to let him go ahead and roll the dice on. This was one. This was a move to show that Herb Simon is completely in, not worried about the dollars and cents, and trying to be, you know, frugal and is okay with being, you know, one of the bottom bottom tier teams to get into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. This move showed that. They are they are showing he, the owner is showing full commitment to Kevin Pritchard, the general manager, that hey, let's do what it takes to pair pair um, Tyrese Halliburton with another All Star type player and see what we can do in the Eastern Conference. So I props to props to the Pacers, props to props to the owner, and props to Kevin Pritchard on pulling off that deal. I completely agree. And Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. You give up two dudes that weren't going to be there next year. One that was going to play this year, but was not going to be there next year. You're talking about Bruce Brown and Jordan Wara. We're not going to be there next year. Uh, and then three draft picks, and two of which from 2024 that people downplay as really having nothing. And then one from what I think the other one's 2026. I mean, who cares? I love the fact I, I, I've grown to hate draft capital and the fact that they utilize what they had in that capacity to get a player of that level that can take them. To a higher level of expectation, I absolutely love it. That's a no-brainer. That, to me, is a no-brainer. We'll figure out, Mike, because I, I think you have to know at least a little bit that his plans are liking it here, being with Halliburton, and being here longer term than just when his contract runs out and re-signing. And I know a lot of people are worried about how much money he's going to get. Chill out a minute. All right, the Pacers are proactive on making this team better right now. Go with that feeling. Go with that high. See what happens, and then we'll walk that walk coming up in the summer. I'm just not going to worry about that crap right now, and I think too many people have been worried about that. So many people want, oh, the Colts have to be active. They have to be aggressive. And, you know, they say the same thing about the Pacers, and the moment the Pacers are, you know, people downplay it, and I think that's ridiculous. And, and how many how many years 
And I, I'm going to combine when I, you know, during my eight and a half years of covering the Patriots and I, all your, your years of doing radio, how many years have we listened to Patriot fans say, why won't they pull the plug? Or when, when um, Bird or Pritchard would say, yeah, I saw some things out there, but, you know, we decided to sit tight. How many, how many years did we listen to pan, fans moan or groan and get mad that they weren't willing to be those risk takers to make those moves? I mean, it, it, that, it was normal. Every trade deadline, every free agency period, every draft night, at the end of the draft night, where they, where they sat on their hands and didn't make moves, they finally made moves. And, of course, some are going to question the thought process of should they have done it and in case he doesn't want to stay here long term. They have a Pied Piper. They do, and Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to play a song, and those players that he knows at the higher level are going to sing it around him and want to play with him because he makes everybody bad. Really, everybody. I mean, from top-level player down to the last person on the bench, he makes everybody better. His play magnifies theirs. When you have somebody like that, you take advantage of that, especially when I'm assuming they told him, all right, you extend, you put your confidence in us, and this is how we're going to respond. You tell him that, you tell your fans that, and then we'll figure out how they're going to go and you know expedite the winning consistency process, which, again, is the expectation right here. I see zero wrong with it. Some have. I do not. Yeah, oh, listen, I'm all for it. I can't, I can't, I can't wait. I think I'm going. I'm gonna go to the game on the 28th of January, and then that Friday night, I'm gonna go to, the, I'm gonna go to the Friday night game against the Kings. In fact, so I can't wait to be in the building and, and check out this team. Hopefully, you know, I know how it appears. Halliburton, you know, getting closer and returning, so to see the entire makeup of them. So, with that said, yeah, trade deadline, trade deadline coming up in less than a month. Any more moves, or is this good? Let's just let the Patriots need to just roll with what they have and see what they can get out of this group. Hey, even for the nerds out there that look at the analytics and you know the draft capital and the trade assets and all that, they left themselves trade assets and flexibility. So I, I don't know if they were going to do it. I, I guess I may be more surprised if they don't make a move. But that's another enhancement of this deal is that you leave yourself and this is for the nerds out there, the flexibility of doing something else if you want. Again, I understand zero about it. And really, the arguments about, well, he's not the same type of defensive player that he once was. Come on, man. I I mean, can he he not guard his shadow? I mean, what are we talking about? Did you think he was going to be Gary Payton? I mean, was Bruce Brown Gary? No, no, no. You're going to get more of a scoring clip. He averages 22-plus a game. And it's not like he's going to move one step left and one step right defensively and fall down. He'll be fine. Hey, hey, speaking of giving, you know, you know, flipping and people getting mad. And I loved your tweet this morning, man. I bet you those TJ McConnell haters are quiet right now. We're all trying out. to trade him. We want to trade him for, you know, something further down the road. Trade him for you. don't need him. You don't need him. You get a backup point guard. You got Andrew Nimhard. It's loaded right there. He doesn't fit the timeline. He's, you know, 31 years old. Yeah, okay. Whatever. He, he is. Mean, double, Mike. Double last night. Easily. I said this earlier. I don't care what we're talking about here. 
and especially in basketball, effort is a skill. And he has 100% of that skill. And he leads, by example, on the floor, by example, off the floor. He's ready to do last night when he's called upon to do it and why anybody around here would ever suggest then or now he be traded is absolutely asinine. Yeah, listen, like you said, hustle and grit is, is a skill. You, can't, you, you definitely cannot teach those things. And that's why, the reality is, I think T.J. McConnell's hustle and the way he plays, you know, and not worrying about, you know, looking pretty is why he's still in the NBA. And you have to – he accepted his, his role of having reduced minutes, you know, fewer minutes this season. You, but he also knew that at any point he was going to be called upon and to go out and get 20, 20 and 10 and help lead them to that win on the road or the West Coast, uh, on the West Coast trip without their best player, without their new addition plan – Let's roll with that. You know, it's funny, too. I said this a little bit earlier. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us talking about the Pacers' uh, new look with Pascal Siakam and T.J. McConnell in the game last night. The Pacers won in Sacramento, in case you missed it, with that uh, late-night W against the Kings. Is I still am surprised that players of that level, great example, like De'Aaron Fox last night, Keegan Murray, even Sabonis, like all three of those players at different moments in the game seem surprised that McConnell was up on them and making a move on them or finishing on them or getting around them or doing the stuff that he does. It still he I, I don't know what this is, but it it must be because he comes in some sort of disguise because people still downplay what they believe his effect is going to be until it's too late. And man, that is that is a great attribute to have if you're him. You saw it like three or four different times last night against really good players. It's like they're shocked. The Aaron Fox, wait, wait a minute. I, I'm really athletic. He just made that move on me. They are still shocked to this day. Like they still get surprised when he gets a takeaway on the inbounds pass. All this stuff you should have learned, I mean, years ago that he does. And it, it is amazing to me the asset that he brings to the table for this group, which is as important as anything else. Well, every every team needs a player like that. You gotta have you gotta have that guy who's able to, you know, do 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 the little things and be you know be that difference maker. I mean, I, I find it amazing. You know, honestly, the best thing, my favorite thing of when I when I watch TJ is is when a team just basically just you know carelessly throws the ball in. And I know you alluded to it, but when they he, they just carelessly throw throw the ball in, yeah. and he yanks it and gets a steal out of it, and you 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 know it's going to happen once every few games. It's like teams don't look at game film and say, "All right, we got when T.J. McConnell comes in, we got to watch out on how we throw the ball." And no, they just completely forget about it. Mike, he banks on guys playing half ass against him, and it's amazing they do it every time. So it, it's got to be, it's got to be that they just don't recognize, again, that skill set, that effort skill set that I'm talking about because there are so many times in the game, and you'll see it again, I'm sure, later on tonight where, oh, wow, I can't believe he just did that. I can't believe he just did that against me, and he does, and he does it over and over again. And last night he was huge in that win. Yeah, you know, I had um, Chris Denary uh, speak to my class on Wednesday as we prepare to cover the All-Star game next month. And, as he, was, you know, somebody asked him about, 
you know, relationship with the players and stuff. And, you know, honestly, the first player he mentioned, for actually, you'll like this, the first two players he mentioned as far as, you know, enjoying to talk to. Yes, you guys, you Pacer fans, listen to what I'm saying, were TJ McConnell and my man JMV's guy, Miles Turner. First two guys he mentioned as far as enjoying to talk. He, he obviously loves all the players, but TJ and Miles are his two favorite players to be able to strike a conversation with. Yeah, I saw where Siakam said that the, the, the second player that he really wanted to play with outside of, of Halliburton was Miles. I saw him say that. I think yesterday or, or the day before as well. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I guess DeAndre Ayton's going to make it to the game. He couldn't make it to the game last night, right, because of the ice in and around where he lived. Yet uh, Brooke Olsendam, who does sideline for the Blazers, has a broken foot and had to deal with the same weather conditions, and she was actually there. But uh, Aiton didn't play last night, so I'm assuming I'm assuming things defrost and Aiton plays later on tonight, right? I would guess. Well, I'm just I'm just saying there's a reason why one of the, there's one of several reasons why DeAndre Aiton is not in uh, Phoenix anymore. And those who remember Brooke, she used to be the sideline reporter for the Pacers. She just she's just a, sm- a smidgen tougher. And speaking of tough, I I, I got to give a shout out. You and I both love you know watching our kids when they play sports. So. Um, your 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 favorite member of the Wells household. They played in Danville last night. Oh, did they? Um, eighth grade team. The seventh grade game was atrocious. I mean, it was wild. Fans yelling and screaming at the refs. One ref only going from baseline to half court, and girls getting testy out there. Eighth grade game comes up. I, I like to sit by myself during the games because I, I you know people get a little crazy. But there were some Danville fans sitting right behind me. And I, I really appreciated them and the amount of respect they had for our girls out there when they were playing. And the highlight was that was the, the dad said, "Hey, you on with you on with JMV tomorrow?" I didn't. We didn't even talk all game. He goes, "You on with JMV?" I was like, "Hey, I want to give you guys a shout out because I I, I love the respect." The Danville fans have for the Brownsburg girls last night, the eighth grade side at least. Good, good folks in Danville, for sure. Good folks out yeah, there. I had, ne- I had never been to that middle school. And your, your favorite athletic director, his daughter is on Layla's team. <laughs> your, your favorite AD. <laughs> you know, I think about that. That's like four years ago. I wonder if he still – he may still hate my guts because I will still occasionally make fun of him. So, <laughs> And I did tell him I was going to talk about him today when I saw him in the stands. I was yeah. like – Well, I mean, first of all, does he understand that he completely misjudged that entire situation? Or does he still feel justified for being a jackass to me? Honestly, I don't know. I think the three of us should be on a show one day together. Let's discuss that. (laughs) Hey, by the way, do we play one another on Monday? Monday night, yes. Little Brownsburg West Middle School, Center Grove Central Middle School. I won't be there on Monday night, though, man. I won't. I won't be there. So you're gonna have to. Uh, you are gonna have to hold down the fort and make sure you heckle Miss Layla Wells. Oh the yeah, I can't heckle her. Come on now, can't do that. So yeah, you gotta. You gotta. You have to give her a hard time and be nice to my girl Lainey. <laughs> By the way, Lainey's birthday's tomorrow. She's 14. Tomorrow, 14. What? Yeah. Hey, happy birthday, Miss Laney. Laney. And hey, then she you. got off school today, too. Or e-learning, whatever that is. So, yeah. Hey, make sure that, make sure Dad buys you whatever you want for your birthday. Go ahead and get that car now and let it sit for two years. Happens all the time right there, man. I, I've got – it's funny. I think they're – I don't know what they're doing, but uh, Blake turns 18 next week, 
and he wants to go see a flock of seagulls at the Egyptian room at the Mirah. That's what we're doing next Friday night. Talking about Blake turns 18 next week? He does, yes. Holy cow. So is, is he going to be heading down to Bloomington in the fall? I don't know where he's going yet. I don't know if we decided or if he's decided yet. There's like a different, you know, it, sometimes he goes back to Indiana State. You know, sometimes he talks. It's, it's always something different. So I don't know. We haven't really locked it down yet. Hey, listen, tell him he's welcome down to Bloomington if he wants. He, I don't, he probably shouldn't go to Terre Haute because he might hear too many stories about his dad out there. Oh, that man. Still, re- still relevant 30 years later. <laughs> They're good stories, though. You can follow, follow in the footsteps. Hey, when are you back on ESPN Radio again? You know what? That, that's a great question. I'm not going to – I mean, I went through a stretch where I had – I did 18 hours and like a six-day stretch. That's a lot of talking. I did five, five, four, and four hour shows, man. So uh, I might, I might, uh, I think I don't think I'm on this month. I think early next month is the back, next time I'm back on. So it's good to talk with you. Sorry you can't make it on Monday, but I'll hang out with Layla a little bit. So uh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. please heckle, heckle her when she gets to the foul line, man. And, yeah, and make you sure know, you ask that dude if he understands. Like four years later, that he completely screwed me over in that situation. <laughs> You know what? He might. Hey, he should be there on Monday. Well, did uh, does he know that I've referenced him as the worst athletic director in the state of Indiana? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we're not going to mention the name of school. Well, I mean, you you know you know this, and I feel bad, and I shouldn't be this way, but man, when I go in, I go in. Like I will be nice to anybody that's nice to me, but the moment something like that happens, it is over. And it's always with me. And this goes back to my dad. It's always with me hard to come back from. I don't know. It's not a quality that I have, but certainly it's a trait. It's a trait of some kind, probably incredibly negative. Hey, I don't want to see any Twitter, any stories on Twitter Monday night <laughs> um, talking about uh, Team JMV and, and some male getting into it in the stands between at a, two middle school games and a middle school basketball game because I always talk about how parents got to be – about their best behavior. So well, the, the Tape Deck family were screaming at him. They were screaming at him. I just wanted the hell out of there. I go, man, let me go. <laughs> Can I just go? <laughs> <laughs> screaming at him. I go, hey, I didn't do anything. So, all right. Oh, then. hey, brother. Hey, have a great weekend, and I'll look for your text on Monday, man, during the game. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Mike. It's a Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. Shout out to Danville. Good folks in Danville that listen to the show over there. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Looking at this 8.30 start time in Madison, Wisconsin, number 11, Wisconsin, and IU tonight. I mean, 7.30 on 93 WIBC. For our every Friday 5 o'clock hour guest, voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, who joins us now. Hello, Don. John, how are you? The weather is just uh, sparkling down here, so I'm assuming in Madison, Wisconsin, it's equal to that or even better. Well, it was sunshiny today. That was the good news. Bad news was it was still around 10 degrees outside. So. <laughs> Stay in the hotel room, buddy. Stay in there. Uh, yes, Wayne. I know of what you speak. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's been a long time since you've called an IU win in Madison. Uh, 24 years to be exact. That's so incredible. Year 25 in that regard, if Indiana can't win tonight, so... Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, it is incredible. Um, 
Back in the Bob Knight era, when you played Wisconsin, you almost automatically yep. counted it as a win because he was there for 29 years, and that 29 years up until 2000, Indiana was 48 and six against the Badgers. 48 and six. Since then, 10 and 31. That's that makes you want to vomit, right? That's awful. I mentioned this earlier. If you, if I were to fall asleep in 1985 and I woke up right now, I'd go, huh? What? I mean, for a variety of things, that would be at the top of the list. Yep. Uh, very few people would, would, <laughs> would think that would be the case. But those of us who are Hoosier fans and who have been around the Hoosiers for any length of time know of what I speak. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That is so bad. And We did, we did win last year. We did yeah. win last year, but it was in Bloomington. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad. It is bad, though. And, and, and you're not. You don't see a group coming off, speaking of sparkling, a sparkling performance on a Tuesday night either. I mean, hopefully there's there's a change in that, but it's not like they got a running start on this bad boy that has been so daunting over the past 25 years. No, that's exactly right. And Wisconsin uh, also coming off a loss to Penn State this past week, which was their first Big Ten loss, which was surprising in itself. But it did take place at Penn State where – Winning on the road in the Big Ten is always a challenge, and obviously 13 turnovers for the Badgers in that ball game probably led to their demise uh, because that's rare for them. They usually turn it over probably somewhere in the neighborhood of seven turnovers a game max. Uh, in this game, they had 13, and that's probably why they lost it. And when I talked to Greg Gard tonight before the ball game in our scouting report, I'm sure that he will recognize the fact that turnovers had a big part in why his team fell against Penn State. But all that said, they are playing some really good basketball, a ball club that I think has an underrated player in Chucky Hepburn. The kid doesn't have tremendous statistics in the sense of scoring and, and those kinds of things, but he is tremendous for what they like to do offensively and running the show, keeping everybody calmed down, does the right things at the right times. Uh, i just really impressed with him. And then they've added a kid named A.J. Store, transfer from St. John's, And he is ripping up the league right now, averaging 17 points a game in conference play, 15-3 on the season. you you got to like this team. And and they've got veterans, too. And the Crowell kid, who's a junior now, he's played for the last two years as a starter. Tyler Wall, this is his fifth year at Wisconsin. He's been there forever. Uh, And they've got a couple of guys that come off the bench and play for him very well as well. So this is going to be a challenge for this Indiana basketball team. And my interest will be, what will the mindset be going into this contest? And and uh, I think that if if they're the team that we want them to be, they're going to play really hard in this ball game and make it very competitive, if nothing else. But, uh, well, we'll get to that gauge in just a second. I do want to play off of something. This Wisconsin team, I've been told, um, I, I don't have much of a basis of a comparison to last year or a last handful of years, but this is like a, a more athletic team than we have seen in Wisconsin. Is that something you would describe it as going into tonight? I, I, I'd say that the store kid does make them more athletic, and Hepper is a good athlete, too. I haven't seen enough of them on television or anything to think they're – here's what I do know. They're not going to play a great deal different than they ever have. Right. I mean, they're just not. They're a team that likes to control the basketball, control the pace of the game, keep it slowed down, make you play for 30 seconds of the shot clock defensively almost every ball game, and try to get the best shot that they can. They're very disciplined and great guard, does exactly what Bo Ryan has done. He's employed the same kind of – 
uh, offense and defensive uh, philosophy that Ryan had when he was so successful here that preceded the uh, previous uh, eight seasons or nine seasons, I guess it would be eight seasons, actually, under Greg Gard. So that style hasn't changed now since that 1998 era uh, when Bo Ryan first got here. And after uh, Indiana won that ball game, I think in the second game played at the Cole Center, and nobody or Indiana hasn't won here since, and there have been a lot of other ball clubs that haven't won here very often either. Yeah, it's just kind of described to me of, well, while it's the same, there are certain aspects that would have maybe Bo Ryan roll over in his Palm Springs hammock a little bit. Just maybe some <laughs> things that are a little bit different, but largely everything is the same. No, I, I don't think that, uh, to be honest, I don't think that there's too many things that are a lot different. I mean, Greg has got his own philosophy, of course, and that kind of thing. But you can see that the culture hasn't changed. They, they, their culture and the style of play is exactly the same as when Ryan was here. All right, I want to get back. And Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers in Madison. 8.30 tip time, 7.30 coverage begins. John Herrick, Eric Soar, and Don Fisher, 93 WIBC. You kind of described this as a gauge, kind of like a want-to gauge for this team coming off that disappointment and you know, getting ripped at home by Purdue back on Tuesday night. Is that kind of how you view this? Like a, a want-to type of gauge to see what this team's makeup is really truly about? Is that what you're looking at tonight? Well, I, I mean, I hope that's what we're looking at because this ball club hasn't uh, – I mean, I still don't know what Indiana's identity is at this point in the season. That's probably the most uh, the most significant aspect of this ball game coming up tonight. Can they finally get it together defensively? Uh, in my opinion, that's been their biggest negative because, you know, the last couple of years, their defense was what everybody talked about along with Trace Jackson Davis. And they don't have Trace any longer, so you've got to do it with somebody else. But, but you, and you can play a different style, but you've got to still play that hard-nosed defense and I just haven't seen that consistently this year, John. We've talked about that almost ad nauseum at this point in the season because, we're, again, they're not, they're not blowing people out. They haven't blown anybody out for the most part this season. Um, and, and they're a better basketball team than what we've seen, at least from a talent perspective. Um, so right now I think everybody's just kind of sitting there and going, are we going to see finally see what we want to see against a really good basketball team? Because I think that's the critical factor. Uh, they're putting themselves in quite the hole as far as an NCAA tournament bid is concerned if they continue on as they have here recently. So, Don, you guys are going through the Bloomington play-by-play on Tuesday, and things were getting into dire straits um, when – uh, Baco goes to the bench. I think Ware was on the bench, both with two fouls. And we'll get into more of that and what Mike Woodson kind of owned up to that after the game. But there was a point in your broadcast when Eric said, hey, you know what, this thing is getting out of hand, out of control right now. You may want to go ahead and shuffle these guys back in. And Mike doesn't, and things got worse. And it comes down to something. I think we've all had conversations about this. That is such an NBA trademark way of doing things. And with this group, I mean, with what you have, you know, decision-making-wise at your avail, that's a decision you just can't make under those circumstances. Listen, they still probably would not have won that game. Let's get that straight. However, that was one of those moments where, you know, maybe coach can't control that a little bit more. Mike didn't. Well, I can't. You know what? I I, I, I'm not an X and O guy, John, and so I try not to get into those conversations because I'm not a coach, and I don't pretend to be, never have been. I know what I see on the floor, 
I think we've seen some issues with this ball club in that regard. And, and some of the times that you're, uh, what coaches do is they, 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 they decide that they're going to use a guy and going to utilize him and see if he can't do something out there in a certain situation. They stick him in there and it doesn't happen. And now you're, you're the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not, like I say, I'm, you, can, you can criticize what you want to criticize in that sense. But right now, in my opinion, this is more on the players than it is the coaching at this point. They've got to start playing better and more consistently. And that's where it's been the big problem. And nobody's a better example of that than Xavier Johnson, who has had three really bad ball games in the last four. He's just not played very well. And, and X is a guy that everybody believes can help your team, but right now it's not happening. And, and that, that's where it needs to come from because the, the guard position – and everybody knows and everybody loves Gabe Cups, and he's a terrific player in the sense of a freshman and learning what it's all about at the college level. And, but he just doesn't give you a lot of offense other than the fact that he handles the ball really well, doesn't turn it over, and he plays really hard at the defensive end. But you're not getting the scoring from the perimeter or the perimeter guys that you need at this juncture. And X is one of those guys that could give you that. I mean, he's shooting like 50% from the three-point line uh, still on this season. And he just hasn't taken many, and when he does, he hasn't made them of late. But at the same time, he's capable. And when are we going to see it again? And that's that to me is the biggest question mark right now in this ball club is is X and what he can bring to the table because you're going to need him in a game like this tonight. It um it seems like to me as well watching that you know obviously there are some things that have been self induced. There's no doubt about that. But I think the other aspect of it is you, you can kind of see that court of public opinion uh, among IU fans. It, it all looks like it has caved in on him, and that reflection, Don, is in the way we have seen him play. Sure. I, I, I can't argue it. I just can't. I mean, we're, we're looking at a basketball team that needs that senior leadership and Trey Galloway has given it to him. He played well, I think, against Purdue under the circumstances, and and uh, it did a nice job out there of what he was supposed to do. But the rest of the guard play was just sporadic at best, and, and certainly they didn't get the scoring out of it that they needed. And X was no factor, and he has to be a factor if this team is going to be successful, in my opinion. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, 8.30, tip time, 7.30, WIBC for the call later on tonight. Um, overall, uh, they made a run, start the second half against Purdue on Tuesday night. But, um, yeah, either way, Purdue was going to end up coming out of there with a win because you could just tell there was a wide gap between the two teams we were seeing on Tuesday night in Bloomington. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the second half, the, the start to the second half was terrific. In the first seven to eight minutes of that second half, Indiana expended a ton of energy just making the comeback to get it back down to nine from 22 at halftime. So from that, yeah, now they've, got, they've given themselves an opportunity. But I've seen this a million times. Uh, for that first 10 minutes of the second half and get it down to a reasonable number where you maybe can make a run at the end. And sometimes it just doesn't happen because you ran out of gas, so yeah. to speak. And after, as far as Indiana was concerned in that ball game, but here's the other thing. They got themselves so much foul. I mean, you've got to be able to play. And if the officials aren't going to give you the calls, then you got to know that and you got to handle that. 
And I didn't think we, Indiana did a very good job of that in the first half at all. Yeah, yeah. And the foul trouble was was certainly key there too. It's funny you mentioned this a little bit earlier about you don't know this team's identity. And we're kind of getting to the point right now where, you know, maybe this is going to be their identity. You know, you, you will play. Well, you can beat, you know, even better teams at home, but just not that that level of team at home and then go on the road. And uh, for a lot of that game, look discombobulated. I guess that would be my fear is that maybe the identity that we don't know this team to be maybe the inconsistency that we see. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, we've talked about inconsistency in, in both football and basketball. Yeah, no doubt. I know. It wears you out. I'm worn out of it. That's why when the Pacers made this deal and played well last night, right, I'm all for it because I'm so sick and tired of talking about negative crap regarding sports around here. I'm ready to embrace some positives. So it'd be nothing better. You know, listen, I know for Purdue fans around here, everything's going positive right now. My Sycamores play well at Indiana State. That's positive. But for the most part, we have been you know swallowed up by the negativity. So anybody that's willing to play well that we can talk fondly about, I'm ready for it, Don. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand that completely. I mean, the cold season ends in a bust and could have been. And it just doesn't happen, and now you all you got to talk about is negative stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of want to start my own shotgun sports program, like you've always pitched. <laughs> yeah, but then you got to have fans come up to a microphone, and they better have uh, Kevlar on. <laughs> like, but but people wonder, like people today were saying, "Ah, oh, man, you know, there's so much propaganda for the Pacers," and I I thought, hey, they're going out there and trying to win. They're playing well. It's not propaganda. I mean, I just want to see some positivity around here that that you mentioned with IU what you're looking for is any level of consistency that's what I look for from teams around here a similar level of consistency because we have gone a long span Don like a major span without it on basically every level and it wears you out <laughs> yes, it does. And uh, let's leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's why I go in on Saturday night and take requests from you for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Because <laughs> it takes me away from the negative. Nobody's going to get negative about that. Now, now, so. now I, it, gives you, it gives you a breather, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And then I go back in Monday and we're all whining and crying again. So, yeah, it's the way that it goes. Well, see, you got you got to do that. Five or six days a week. I don't have to do it, but just maybe two. two oh, maybe. <laughs> but you got. Yeah, I mean, I will say this: you got. Yeah, you got to do a couple of games and then a coach's show, and then I, the one that's most unenviable. And this is really anybody in this situation talking to a coach after a loss. I mean, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so. You know, we I I instituted this years ago after Bob Knight uh, left us and. and, and <laughs> And you know, because we he never actually we instituted the the, the post game uh, conversation, but it usually was when Knight was the coach at the end of the two or three years prior to his leaving Indiana, it was a talk show, it was a post game uh, interview with the assistant coach, uh, and and those were always pretty good because the assistant coaches did a really nice job. However, <laughs> when we got when we when we went to the uh, idea of having uh, the head coach on afterwards, and we've done that every year since then. Yeah, I've always kind of second guessed myself about how smart I was. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, because they're not – and I, I will say this. Whenever I talk to a coach, I give you a great example. And there's no better guest coaching-wise than Matt Painter when he comes You're on right. here. I mean, I just I just ask a question and turn him loose. I, I just don't want to get to the nuts and bolts of it because, it, like, in the middle of an answer – he will like explain. He's not like blatant with it, but he'll explain to me in the middle of an answer how I'm wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and it is a really cool way that he does it. But I, I've noticed it. Like if I have Dusty May on, Dusty May's just going to go, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're right," and then probably get off the phone and go, "Well, this guy was a dumbass then, and he is right now." But I, you know, Matt, Matt is just has this way about you know. Well, that's not quite right, but he'll sneak it in like midway through the answer. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and he doesn't. He, and he doesn't say it's not quite right, but he'll explain why you did it. Wrong. Yes. It, yeah. Well. Yeah. It, exactly. But nah, you don't. You're not afforded that option when you get a still peeking in the red head coach after any level of tough loss. I mean, any loss in general. That's right, difficult. Right. So. That's exactly right. I mean, and Tom Allen, bless his heart, at the end of his career here, couldn't even talk at the end of all games. I mean, he was his voice was so bad, and if it was a loss, it was even worse. So, well, you had to. Uh, I used to remember you had to wait till midnight to Tom Crean to come out of the locker room for you guys. <laughs> well, that very there was quite a bit of. Probably with that going on toward the end too. You're right. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd be around there saying, "Well, you know what? This. I mean, you'd just be like filling time and filling time." But uh, well, yeah, we actually actually stopped. We actually decided not to wait any longer a couple of times. <laughs> I remember a Minnesota game. I can't remember what year it was, but it was in the last two or three years of Coach Green's uh, tenure at Indiana, and we were at Minnesota and we got beat, and he kept those kids in the locker room for like an hour. After the ball game, and we're we, we finally had to wrap it up, and we get out in the bus, and it still took another half hour before they got up, <laughs> and that's after wrapping up all the equipment and stuff. So you go, yeah, I gotta get, yeah. I gotta get back to Bloomington, then I gotta drive back to Greenwood. Come on now, let's get going. What, what is your timeline as far as exit from the CareSource Radio Network? Oh, let's see. Well, once we get off the air, we usually have about 20 minutes post game, some kind of a 20 minute post game on basketball, and about right at 20 to 25 minutes in football. And then we wrap things up. And so we're literally out of there probably 20 minutes after we start wrapping up. We're ready to get on the bus. Uh, did I get that right? Is it still care? So is this something different? I may have forgotten. Well, at Neil Tired Auto Service Network ah. for football. And the characters were yeah, the Yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so. I wish they get that together, too, so I wouldn't have to think of two different things, especially you gotta start, in November. Why are you not allowed to sell your own product? you got to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many people would buy Don Fisher product here if you are able to sell that? I'll sell it for you. There's anything I don't know that there's anything I could sell, to be you, honest. You would eat, eat and drink free at our table for the rest of your life. Put that thing on there. <laughs> well, I think they used to call that payola, didn't they? <laughs> well, we don't mention that. <laughs> yeah, payola, plugola. No, but you can sell your own product, and it would be just incredibly legal. 
Right. What product you, would you want me to sell? I'm going to sell like various portions of your broadcast. This portion of Don Fisher's <laughs> broadcast brought to you by our table, where the lasagna is piping hot tonight, along with the bourbon flowing. I, th- I think IU Sports Properties would might object to me selling my own product on their programming. I don't even think they'd know, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they'd notice. <laughs> you can work that in just so sleek and clean to the point where they wouldn't even notice. Well, maybe I'll try that sometime. I'm telling you, we need to we need to convene again at some point and go over some of this stuff because I think we, I've got some good ideas for you. <laughs> you cut out of me, John. I didn't hear what you said there at the end. I said we got uh, we need to we need to convene, get together again sometime. So I got some good ideas for you, some good right. opportunities here. I'm thinking about. All right. Well, so. we'll drop by the our table and we'll and we'll come in there at the same time you're in there. We'll <laughs> there. <figure it> <laughs> I'll come in there in shorts when it's four degrees in January. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Hey, have a great call tonight. And uh, have something really – hopefully you got something really good to talk about with Mike Woodson after tonight. So, Well, let's hope so. First time no in a question. while. 20... I would really like it, especially at this building. Let's see. 25, 25 years. That's a long, long time right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll be listening tonight. <laughs> Hey, thanks, John. See ya. Live local and late breaking, like our next guest on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Of course, CarX, 14 Central Indiana locations to serve you. Always brings our good friend Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk on the show. Hello, Bob. Hey, John. How are you? Let me tell you this. I brought back some memories for folks a little bit earlier because Uh tonight's somewhat of a bummer. Somewhat of a bummer for those that live in rural areas because right. they didn't go to school today with the weather, Ooh. and right. they had games called off. Eastern Green and right. Bloomfield, that rivalry called off. I'm going to tell you this. Th- nothing better. The best school boards and superintendents of all time, they would do this. When you had snow on Friday, they'd pull the plug on the day, but still play the game. You see, those are the school board members I'm voting for. That's the superintendent I'm giving the the seal of approval for. You know, not the ones that end up getting investigated when they're 10 years over. No. No, those are the ones I am giving the seal of approval for. If we're allowed to miss school on a Friday because of snow and still play the stinking basketball game. Those are the ones I love. Well, you have to have your priorities, John. I mean, that seems fairly obvious to most of us. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you don't even have to. You don't have to think about that. That's an easy decision to make. We're playing. (laughs) If you can get there, we're playing. Ah, man, just for me, I think about on a Friday. You got you may, maybe you have back to back, so you get screwed on Friday and Saturday, right? If you had a back to back, and then oh, you get that thing yeah, stuck on yeah, a Tuesday yeah, 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 or yeah, a Wednesday, yeah. so you're not going to have an after party like you would on a Friday or a Saturday. I mean, it is right. just all. Please, 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 superintendents out there, first of all, watch what you're doing. I know you guys are all doing that. Other on school boards, think about this: when you so cavalier decide to go ahead and pull the plug on a basketball game on a Friday night. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> well, I don't. See, I don't see your career as a school board member going far, though. Oh, there are lots of people I'd love to take shots at right now, Bob, and I'm holding back. This is like a being held back, JMV, right here. So, well, you know, it's different in some of the rural areas where you know they're used to driving through. They they drive through this every day. Are you kidding me? They're not. They're not bothered by it. They just. Um, they have four-wheel drive vehicles. They have tractors. They have they have snow plows on their 
on their cars. They don't they don't mind. They'll get where they're going because they have to. It's just like Ron Collin. I, I don't know if it could snow enough for Ron Collin to pull the plug on a day. So they're always going to play. <laughs> I can roll in there like with a, a team of dogs and a dog sled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing. They're going to school and they're playing. Just don't worry about it. Oh, listen, we're, we're hitting the stretch run. First of all, I want to get back, give the girls some love as well, because I know you guys did the pairing show here recently. Oh, um, think, no, no, it's coming up Sunday. Oh, it's this Sunday. I thought you already did it. No, it's Sunday. Oh, if man. you did, I'm in deep trouble. Because <laughs> maybe you missed there. it. <laughs> so, and then maybe that was a good thing, to I, be honest. I watched <laughs> my daughter, I think, was on the floor or something for a little bit last night at Center Grove. Center Grove played Heritage Christian, and historically speaking, right. Heritage Christian is really good, and it may be a transitional season for them because it was a struggle. But every time I've seen Center Grove a handful of times, and I'm telling you what, Stuckmeyer can coach them up. That is a very talented group of girls, for real. Well, they are, and they're they're ranked where they're ranked for a reason. I mean, they're 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 legit. They're really good, and uh, quite frankly, there's some really really good teams. I think everybody's kind of of the same mind, and, and Greg will touch on it obviously on Sunday, and so will I. That pretty balanced uh, tournaments in in all four classes, you know, except maybe Lanesville where Greg is from, obviously they're ranked number one in single A. So they'll uh, attract a lot of attention. 4A is crazy. There's some really, really good teams. And um, there are some really, uh, some incredibly, incredibly difficult sectionals uh, that we're going to talk about on Sunday, John. So it's been been tremendous to this point. Uh, And it's just going to be one of those situations where, uh, a lot of it, uh, as we all know, a lot of it depends upon the draw, depends upon who gets whom and how you come out of that. And so um, a lot, uh, there's a lot coming up without question uh, on Sunday, five to seven. Five to seven. I encourage everyone to join us, have some fun, and uh, find out who's going to be playing whom. So that's that's the big highlight of the weekend. It, you know, that's a non-weather related situation. I, I'm hopeful that <laughs> Greg and I can both get there. I, I'm well, sure it may be can. about four degrees when you guys are rolling in. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. They, I think they have heat at the IHSA headquarters, It'll so be I think okay. we'll be good. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night's got you covered just down because of postponements of uh, more than a handful of games later on this evening as well. So the girls, one final thing. So they go one more regular season week and then sectional start the week after, right? Sectional start basically on uh, what would it be? January 30th. That's crazy. That is crazy. So so the season is going to be over for some. That's nuts pretty much i mean uh you know and it'll be and 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 you're you're right i mean it's it's early um it's been this while for a uh it's been this way for a while obviously sure. and, and so it just it, it gets um you know your season can be over unfortunately on that first on that first night it's always so hard I and mean, we talk about it in football uh, but you know basketball you thought think about this your, your daughter's a basketball player and her career as a senior could be over before March starts. And so, you know, you've got you and all this uh, investment of money and time and AAU and travel ball and on and on and on and all the things you do. And 
you know, you're, you're invested as a family. You, you're into it as, as hard as you can be. And then literally uh, overnight, it's over. I mean, it's over. And so it's uh, it's hard. It's a hard, hard adjustment. It's hard for people to um, to, to deal with it. It's extremely difficult, but that unfortunately is is part of uh, being involved in athletics. It's uh, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Uh, I mentioned the fellas down a lot of games, and uh, we're at that point of the season where you really start to – you're either for real and consistently good or you just can't get to that point. There, there are a lot of uh, for real judgments made this time of year about your team or others. Well, I think you look at it, you know, the, the cliche is uh, you're starting to separate the uh, pretenders from the contenders, that kind of situation. And, you know, you've had, you know, plenty of plenty of games against different types of opponents. Um, you, you, Eligibility-wise, all your people should be with you so you you know who you have and you know what you're you're dealing with. And so – you know, you look at uh, – and I think the other part of it, too, we forget about John. January is an incredibly long month. It is. In boys' basketball and, and college basketball. It's, it's, it, it seems like when you're in the middle of it, it seems like it's an entire season just in the month of January. And so there – you have plenty of games. You have the opportunity for plenty of games, depending upon what happens with weather. And that can change things literally overnight as we're about to experience. And so – yeah, if, if you're not playing well right now, you need to be concerned. And if you're playing well, you're trying to make sure you're healthy, your kids are mentally and physically in the right condition and trying to avoid injuries and just uh, stay on that uh, on that level you're playing right now. Easier said than done, but there's a whole lot going on, a whole lot of basketball to play. It's uh, Bob Lovell who joins us before I let you go. Uh, Sports Illustrated made this announcement today that uh, I, I guess by what I read, they are slowly but surely, as it seems they have been for a while, shutting down operations. What does SI mean to you, especially going back to that era in which every single week it was important to get to the mailbox and get the latest copy? Well, you had to get to the mailbox to get your sporting news and to get your Sports Illustrated. You know, those were must-reads for a kid growing up in Plainfield or, you know, down in Eastern Green or Green County, don't you think? Those were, you had to do those, those two publications. And, you know, you lived with those. Yeah, a sad commentary on the state of um, journalism, sports journalism, if you will. This is where we are. Uh, we can lament what happened, how it happened, what's going to happen. That's just, that's the world. Uh, don't think things are going to change dramatically. You know, obviously, I live in Franklin. I'm I'm one of the few, but I still subscribe to my local newspaper. Nobody does that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Seriously, I I do just out of spite, just to support <laughs> the, the local newspaper, and I, I read it every day. It gets delivered to the house every day, and and then I take a look at it. I can look at it online, but it's different. So, you know, it's sad. You know, you, you and I grew up, and a lot of people grew up uh, loving, you know, reading uh, Sports Illustrated cover to cover. And reading sports, uh, reading um, uh, all, all those types of publications, uh, it's just you couldn't wait to get it. And so uh, Sporting News, uh, Sports Illustrated, like I said, those were things that you grew up with. It was a part of your life, part of, part of what you were about, and you had to memorize every stat and memorize everything about everybody. And so uh, the substitute for that now is to listen to guys like you on a daily basis and fill in the blanks. Mm. 
I don't know if that's an even trade there, Bob. Uh, you know, I have concerns about yeah. that culturally, Me I, too. intellectually. I have concerns, but uh, I'll share. I'll save those for another day. It had the smarts real good, unlike me, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, we're here. yeah, that's it. We're depending, but we've given you a lot of responsibility. We're depending on you right now. <laughs> All right, tonight, tomorrow night, you're going to be ready to go. We got a little IU Wisconsin game to cover. You got uh, obviously everybody going this weekend. How about Indiana State at five o'clock on ESPN two on Sunday against that Murray State? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great matchup. Murray, the Murray Indiana State games uh, is is really a good matchup. At, seems to be uh, developing I think into something of a little bit of a rivalry and so uh, yeah it'll be that'll be fun yeah you know, again you know starting January you're, you're already into it and it's there's a lot of basketball to be played but you know you're getting into the big 10 I think it's a big weekend for, for IU for the obvious reasons and see if Purdue can continue to play um, Butler is I think's got a you know interesting one with DePaul DePaul's not very good so the dogs have been pounded with the schedule up to this point, so they can hopefully get back on track. And uh, I am taking tomorrow night off, John. Jake Query will be sitting in for me on the show tomorrow. Whoa, night. Jake's coming in. So we're going to go against Jake one another with a JMV yeah. takeover and Jake Query yeah. on Sports Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am uh, I'm emceeing a, a, a dinner, uh, a gala at Plainfield uh, tomorrow night for the alma mater, um, their Hall of Fame inductions and i'm going to be the mc of that so uh, i'm taking a i don't yeah as you know I don't, i'm like you i don't i don't take days off i i uh, but this uh for uh obviously my hometown and my home school they all mean a lot to me and so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to help them any way i can so do you, do you choose the entree or is it spam is that what you guys having <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done my share of it i, I know that uh no you know what they did ask me and this is this where we are in the world. They asked me for my my dietary uh, options, what I uh, need, what things I could and couldn't have, and I just sent back a note to say, you put a plate in front of me and I'll eat it. I'll be just fine. So, say spam or fried bologna, and I'm good to go here. Yeah. Serve it up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, congratulations on that. Have a great time in Plainfield Thanks, tomorrow John. night too. Thanks. Thanks for having me.